This is a hypothetically great podcast. This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is Friday, December 17th, 2021. Welcome to the last episode of the year. This is the conclusion of the fall semester of Tech News for MBAs, our second such semester as a podcast group. I actually don't know what to call you all. Are you students? Uh, Are we a class? Are you listeners? I don't know. But we are forming a small but mighty community here at Tech News for MBAs. And I think that's actually a great segue into today's show. Community is perhaps the biggest theme of 2021. And today, rather than look at the headlines from the last seven days, we are going to look at the headlines from the last 365. And uh, we're going to do this in a couple of different ways. First, by looking through all of the episodes that we've had Uh, this year, and also just sort of skimming through what was happening in the tech landscape generally. So much changed this year. It's kind of hard to believe it all happened in a single year. Um, This isn't going to be like a flashback show where I actually am, you know, playing old clips or something. Don't worry. Uh, It's not that kind of thing. But instead, just kind of talking through uh, where we've been And of course, where we might be going as we enter 2022. All I want for Christmas is for you to rate and review this podcast. So let's get into the year in tech news. On January 14th, 2021, Tech News for MBAs launched on all major podcast platforms. Clearly the most important thing to happen in tech this entire year. Joking, of course, but January 14th was a really different time than it is right now. Let's just sort of take a snapshot, take inventory of where we were at the beginning of the year. First of all, Donald Trump was still president. That's a big one. We were a week out from the attack at the Capitol on January 6th, I had been, you know, planning for this podcast for months. Um, but because of the nature of the format, obviously, I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to cover in the first week because the whole idea was to talk about headlines from any given week. So when I decided to launch at the beginning of January, man, did we have a great headline and by great, I mean terrible, to work with, which was the fallout from the Capitol attacks and specifically how Donald Trump had been removed from various platforms, including Facebook and Twitter, but also apps like Parler being pulled off the various app stores and even being kicked off cloud computing services like AWS. At the time, we were all talking a lot about what are the limits or what should be the limits of power uh, from these tech platforms about free speech, 
what constitutes violent speech or inciting violence, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, a lot of the same things that are playing out right now uh, in the congressional committees that are investigating those events, the same sort of things were playing out in the private sector. And we were discussing all that in real time. And just to really draw out this theme of community, as I just mentioned, I mean, here you had a very large group of people organizing themselves online in the digital world to actually meet up and take action in the physical world, which actually leads us to the next major event of 2021, which was Wall Street Bets and, again, strangers on the internet coordinating together, in this case, to all buy GameStop stock and make the price shoot through the roof. This was still in January, by the way. And this was really when we started using the term meme stock and the whole idea that a stock price could be untethered from its business fundamentals and that people on the internet could take collective action like this. And there were all sorts of side effects. Uh, Robinhood and other brokerages had to actually stop people from trading and people were really up in arms about that, sort of like the removal of certain voices from social media platforms. Here they were removing certain stocks from stock platforms. And, you know, the common thread there is a centralized power being able to decide what you, the user, the consumer, the normal citizen are allowed to say, uh, what stocks you're allowed to buy or sell, etc. Now, in February, we get hit with another doozy. Jeff Bezos decides to step down as CEO of Amazon. This is not the last big tech CEO that we'll see step aside. We will see echoes of this much later in the year when Jack Dorsey decides to step down as CEO of Twitter. February was also the month that I know personally I first heard about NFTs, non-fungible tokens a big sort of tech breakthrough of 2021. I had Shay Taylor on the show to explain it to us, and he later in the year went on to release one of the most successful NFT collections of the year. And bringing it all home, yesterday, December 16th, Melania Trump released her first NFT collection. I continue to believe that the eventual main utility of an NFT will be well beyond uh, collectibles like art, Um, but that really this is perhaps the best way we've found so far to uniquely identify the ownership and authenticity of something that exists only in a digital realm. In April, we saw the battle heat up between Apple and the company that at that time was still called Facebook around advertising and targeting and data tracking, which was a major debate that was playing out throughout the year in lots of different countries, different regulatory bodies, different companies working uh, through these issues about tracking consumer data, giving consumers more optionality as to what is allowed to be tracked and what's not, the difference between first-party and third-party data, Uh, And my own personal theory here that I think we have started to see play out uh, as this year unspooled that Apple is not only trying to undermine Facebook's advertising business, 
but they're trying to weaken them as a future threat for domination around the next device paradigm, which I, of course, believe will be some sort of smart glasses that will replace the smartphone and Meta, as it's known now, and its subsidiary Oculus, which actually is now just also called Meta, um, that is up on the horizon as a direct threat to Apple's hardware and OS business as well. This summer, for those of us that were in the mix, was the summer of DeFi, decentralized finance. Again, as we saw, Web3 really start to take form this year beyond just buying and selling something like Bitcoin. We saw NFTs and then we saw decentralized finance. And now we're seeing more and more projects that, of course, all of these were actually started uh, you know, a year, two, three, four, five years back. Um, but things really started to sort of catch on, at least within the Tekarati crowd. And DeFi is a fascinating world. We should do a deep dive on it. Maybe we'll do that next semester where you have the ability to take out loans. You have the ability to have high yield savings account. You have all of these sort of alternative banking products but there's no bank. There's no single entity at the center of it. It is running on a big network of computers, just like your own computer, ultimately. Um, and they're all equal participants in the network that are verifying these transactions. But there's no single company or entity and certainly no human beings approving and denying these different things, even something like underwriting alone. It's all automated through what are called smart contracts. And this is another really amazing example of collaboration on the internet where you have these crypto technologies, blockchain technology that are underneath uh, this whole DeFi world that allow for a large group of strangers to collaborate and coordinate online and as a result, you've started to see these communities pop up, especially on tools like Discord, um, where there really is sort of a subculture or even multiple subcultures that are being created online and then tools that allow strangers to trust one another. Um, or more accurately, it removes the need for trust because humans aren't really at the center of most of these things. Now, that being said, there are definitely some straight-up scams. Uh, They're called rug pulls in the world of Web3, where you get the rug pulled out. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like there's total protection against malicious uh, intent. Of course, the smart contracts, the code is written by humans, so um, there's a lot of room for error there. But the ethos of it is really around mass collaboration of strangers over the internet. Again, community really shining through. In October, Facebook renamed itself to Meta, right as we kicked off the second semester of this podcast. And I think it was probably August, maybe, was the first time I personally heard people talking about the metaverse in the context of sort of capturing the future paradigm that I know I've been interested for a long time, which is this whole world of VR, AR. Um, but Metaverse also has come to mean uh, platforms like Roblox and Minecraft and 
uh, Decentraland, which is a decentralized, for instance, metaverse. So what does metaverse really mean? Well, it means lots of different things to lots of different people, um, which we've talked about now over the course of this semester. But there really is something significant, I think, about a company as big as Facebook literally changing its name to Meta and sort of uh, staking a claim to the idea that the metaverse is going to be a really, really important part of the future for all of us, whatever it turns out to be exactly. Um, I think metaverse is one of those words that really established itself in 2021 and really just in the second half of 2021. But I think the best way from where we stand today to understand the metaverse is the future of the internet that allows us to, again, do all of this collaboration and communication. Um, today, we're doing this through a phone. And before that, we did it through a computer. And in the future, we'll be doing it in the metaverse um, instead of on the internet, as we might say today. Twitter introduced its subscription product, Twitter Blue, earlier this fall. And Jack Dorsey, again, stepped down as CEO and changed the name of his other company, Square, to Block. Sort of, you know, Block is to blockchain as Meta is to Metaverse. Um, but I think there's something interesting about moving towards a world of direct monetization versus indirect, uh, meaning advertising. And so Twitter's the first major social media platform to offer a paid subscription. Um, and then when you think about things like paid newsletters, which also became really popular uh, over the last year or two, and other sorts of direct mechanisms to pay. Um, NFT is a great example, of course, directly paying for art or other creative media like music. Uh, and so I don't know exactly how that's all going to net out, but there is a trend around sort of direct transactions uh, for content instead of indirect where you're getting it for free and then an advertiser is essentially paying for it on your behalf. And I won't get into it because we have a whole episode that was only a few weeks ago around Constitution DAO, but it is worth just mentioning the concept of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Again, this one was trying to buy a copy of the U.S. Constitution, um, but a DAO is yet another mechanism for online collaboration and again, powered by blockchain technology. Thinking through everything I just talked about, there really is a single through line, I think, that you can draw through 2021. And it is this idea of community, online collaboration that has real world impact. Web3 clearly has a lot to contribute to this trend, but it's not the only way. In fact, I see crypto slash Web3 slash blockchain, whatever you want to call it, as a subset of this trend rather than the reason for this trend. A really great way to collaborate with large groups of strangers is using blockchain technology, but there are other ways. For instance, GameStop and that whole thing was just people coordinating on Reddit. The capital riots, uh, not that I condone this at all, but they were very well coordinated using tools like Parler and Facebook and WhatsApp and other more mundane products. They didn't need Web3 to do that. 
there is a lot of chatter among well-respected people in tech talking about the metaverse and its overlap with Web3 as if there really is going to be this digital world that is separate from our physical reality. And I just don't buy that at all. I think that these two are, of course, linked because we, the human beings that are interacting in both physical and digital realities, are the same people. And we're clearly going to want to leverage them both for our own hopes and dreams and desires. Uh, And I think overly separating them doesn't make any sense. But instead, the trends I see going into 2022 and beyond are all about how to integrate these more tightly. This is why I'm so bullish on augmented reality, specifically because it allows us to overlay and integrate the digital world more and more into our physical world where we're not constantly switching between the two, but instead really um, attempting to engage with both simultaneously in what one might end up calling just reality. Uh, I am Paul Canetti. I exist in the world. I interact in that world. And that world, that reality is a mix. It's a hybrid of things that are based in physicality and things that are based in digital. Uh, And ultimately, that is my vision for where it all goes. I think we've seen a lot of the stepping stones come into place this year. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. And rather than trying to predict anything specific, but I do think we'll continue to draw these trend lines out around VR, AR, metaverse, around Web3 and crypto, around community and collaboration, and leveraging all of that to create collective action, which could be for something frivolous or something of great substance. On a personal level, 2021 was really transformative for me and my family. Uh, As you might know, I sold two companies this year, Maz and Bounce House. I launched this podcast. I launched a new email newsletter. We didn't even really talk about COVID this episode, but like vaccines got introduced to the population and uh, we were all able to get vaccinated. My older daughter was able to get vaccinated. My kids are back at school. I'm back in the classroom teaching at Columbia. And, you know, it's far from over. And maybe more accurately, there really is no over. It's just about sort of managing this and uh, the ebb and flow of this new version of our lives. But we really did make a lot of progress as a society this year um, on that front. And I just want to also take a moment to thank you. If you're listening to this, uh, you are the reason that I'm doing this every week. I make this podcast entirely by myself. Um, It's produced by me, recorded by me, edited by me, I made the theme music. Um, I think of all the material. I don't know. It really is a lot of effort. And uh, there's no, you know, plan to monetize this or uh, anything. It's just that I really like doing it. And um, it means a lot that you are listening. So thank you for that. I will leave you with some advice that I gave to my product management students, uh, our last class of the semester. I said... Be physically safe and professionally risky. 
That concludes the first year of Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti, and I will see you next year. This is a really good podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>